0: The Rigor Gamley Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Droshebski for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday we got the roster diamond show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world plus the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays it's me back with Warren Sharp deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Mismatch presented by FanDuel. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus plus present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit the slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password, Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscription. See amazon.com slash amazon prime for details.
1: Welcome to the Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Monday night from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climer, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizarian, Kevin!
0: Birdo! How are you doing today, man? What's up?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, also, I just saw the news before we were recording. I guess I missed it earlier today. That there is going to be a new member of the basketball staff over at the Ringer. Howard Beck announced that he was hired and was going to be part of the Ringer basketball coverage for this upcoming year. What an unbelievable hire! That is fantastic. Howard Beck has been an insanely relevant NBA writer since I first started covering the NBA, and that's like 20 years ago. I mean, he and he, he was like, Beat writer for the Lakers, beat writer for the Knicks, and then obviously a national writer for all manner of different publications and outlets over the years. And so that's a uh, that was a big get out of nowhere. I didn't see that one coming.
0: It definitely came out of nowhere, right? Like usually, yep. usually the ringer hires young, yep. young, unproven on the up and up. Howard Beck has been somebody who's been doing it for decades now. Uh, For different publications and different formats, obviously, um, as a podcaster with his own show and appearing on the low posts and all that, Uh, I think with us it's going to be interesting. I mean, I know he's obviously going to be writing like he always has. Um, I'm sure he'll be doing some pods too. It's a different, it's a different type of hire for us. Like in his tweet, he you know he thanks you know everybody for you know the hiring him and all that, and he listed out some of the people on our staff. It's like. Like, it's like Rob Mahoney, Sirit Sohi, Logan Murdoch, Michael Pina, Danny Chow, Kyle Mann, Tyler Parker, Zach Cram. Like, those are just, like, the writers. Never mind, like, all the editors and what we have. Like, like we have a loaded NBA staff on the the writing side. Never mind everybody with the editing and the podcasting. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of people. Um, so, it's pretty exciting to add a, add a veteran presence to the locker room and Howard Beck. Super cool.
1: Uh, I, I was uh, that one uh, right before we came on the air. I said to you, I was like, "Howard Beck's?
0: <laughs> He's going to be <laughs> on the ringer. I was like, "How great is that?" So you didn't you didn't see it earlier today? You, mo- you I did saw it right before getting on. Wow, he yeah. must have been a busy boy today.
1: I was. Um, all right, we got a lot of stuff to get to. We're we're only I, two I,
0: weeks. Also, can't forget Marion Fader with the writing staff. The uh, NBA, she does everything. But I gotta say Marion's name as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, she writes New York Times bestsellers. Yeah,
0: of course. How many of you guys have done that? How many of you guys have done that? How many times? See, when I think Mirren, I don't think NBA. I just think all sports, books. Like, she doesn't pop into my head with NBA immediately. It's books and all sports. She's um, like in the all sports category. I think
1: New York Times bestselling author, <laughs> Mirren Fader.
0: No. Yeah, no kidding, right? The honest, the improbable rise of an NBA MVP, an excellent, excellent book by Merritt Fader. Worth checking out if you haven't already. And she has a Hakeem book coming up soon that was announced as well. She's doing a biography on Hakeem Elijahwan. You see that?
1: How awesome is that? All right. I know. We are two weeks from today are going to be NBA media days around the NBA. And then I looked at the schedule, and then by October 5th, with the, which is just, It'll be that same week. Uh, So about two and a half weeks, there's going to be an NBA preseason game on October 5th with the Mavs and the T-Wolves. They're playing a two-game set in Abu Dhabi. And so by October 5th, there's going to be NBA basketball that is being played on uh, the preseason stage. There have been a couple of orders of business that have taken place since we last spoke. Nothing really big. I, I mean, the one that dropped today was Kelly Oubre, uh, you know, signing a vet men with Philadelphia. It appears to be that's in the cards. Uh, Woj reported it. Derek Bodner followed it up saying it's a veteran minimum deal. So they're going to add Kelly Oubre to the mix. I am I, I, Kelly Oubre is a awesome bad team player. Um, did not (laughs) do very well when he had his opportunity to play on a good team with the Warriors. He does not pass the ball at all. I think he averaged like, you know, it's like, oh, he averaged 20 points a game last year. It's like, yeah, he did. Um, He also averaged one assist and he hit like 32% of his threes. And I mean, he looks super cool and he's awesome on NBA league fits. So that obviously helps. Their style, you know, their style, uh, you know, in between him and Tucker, with all the awesome Jordans, they've got at least got some swag on that team. But nobody's really going to care about anything going on with Philly except for this whole Harden thing that is hanging over them. And I have to laugh. I had to laugh when it was like. Well, you know, a little maybe a little bit of insurance if James Harden's not there, it's like, okay. <laughs> the guy that the guy that led the league in assists being replaced with the guy that's got like four career assists. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's another wing. And he can put the ball in the bucket. And I have I have been at games. Kelly Oubre had a game in Memphis that was just, I mean, you would have thought he was frigging Kobe Bryant. He couldn't miss. And so I have seen him go off and he could certainly get on a heater and have those nights where he wins you a game. But I don't know if this really moves the needle necessarily for uh, whatever Philly's trying to do. But he's just one of those guys that kind of got caught in the mix, right? And so you just take the vet men, play it out a year, prove that you could be a productive part of a really good team. And hopefully you could get a contract out of that.
0: Well, that's all of it, right there, Chris. I mean, you said everything there is to say. The old, like the only thing I'd add to that is the last point. That's what Philly's betting on here. Like Kelly Oubre did not succeed with the Warriors, uh, as the Suns were just about to turn. He was on that bubble team in 2020. They didn't want to retain him as things were changing for Phoenix. Like he has not been a winning player, as you said. So for Philadelphia, this is a bet on somebody who is a long-armed wing, whose defense has always been theoretical, and he's shown the ability to put the ball in the basket, as you said. So right now it's like, okay, this guy who's 27 years old now has a vet minimum. Is this rock bottom for him where it's like, oh, my goodness. In order to get another big deal, this is my chance to actually be successful playing alongside Joel Embiid. Potentially James Harden, potentially Tyrese Maxey, Like for Ubre, like this is it, dude. If you don't succeed with this That's supporting right. cast, like you're you're gonna be playing in China soon. There's not going to be other teams that want to take an opportunity on you. They're going to be going for other wings on the market. They're going to be going for some of the talented G League players. They're going to be going for international guys, not for a soon-to-be you know, 29-year-old, 30-year-old Kelly Oubre, who's always underwhelmed compared to the potential that, and the flashes that he's shown. So I think for the Sixers, this is a, a low-risk, medium-reward move. And for Oubre, this is your final chance to really yeah. get a big deal. And maybe look, guys
1: can change. And if you're gonna do it 27, 28, 29, those are usually the years that guys can have their their best. And and sometimes, sometimes players like he is, it is kind of crazy to think about it because at one point it was like, Can can somebody like Wiggins fall into a role? And he did, and he became one of the best role players in the NBA. And it's like, you juxtapose that versus Oubre had that chance also, mm-hmm. right? And he just couldn't ever make it happen. And so this is this is that last chance, right? Like, look, there's stars and there's role players. And he's a role player that has never figured out that he's a role player, right? Like how to star in your role. But this is a chance for him to do it, possibly, Um it's just that we know that the only thing anybody cares about with the Sixers is that James Harden situation. Um, other stories that have dropped since we last spoke, Jared Vanderbilt signed his contract with the Los Angeles Lakers. They got him uh, much like they did Reeves, much like they did uh, D'Angelo Russell. I thought, low, like, totally reasonable deal. You know, I like Vanderbilt. He's got his limitations. As the playoffs went on, he and and teams are just game planning against you specifically as a team, he becomes less useful as he did in the Warriors series and then obviously the Denver series. That being said, for an 82-game player, he is awesome to have on a night-in, night-out basis, and he plays hard as hell. And you know I'm a fan of those kind of guys that have the dog in them and are, I think I just think they're super useful to have around anyway on your team, and they did not pay him much at all.
0: Do Do you think, Chris? Though, like I I agree based off of last season with what happened, the lack of shooting ended up hurting him. But do you think with all the shooting that the Lakers did add, that Vanderbilt could perhaps be in more of like an interior position on the offensive end, giving him value as a offensive rebounder? Cleanup guy, screener, cutter, roller. Could he play that type of role rather than being asked to space behind the arc, considering the plethora of three point shooting the Lakers now have? Maybe it could actually work for him now with all the talent the Lakers have on their roster. Well, they added Gabe
1: Vincent and then Taring Prince. I think he's a guy that will play for them. And then the others are. But, but
0: also, like a young player like Max Christie. I'm I'm high on Max Christie personally. I think he could end up being a, a rotate rotation fixture for the Lakers.
1: And we'll see if Reddish, Hayes, and Wood, what, what level yeah. of contribution. I mean, they're all those are all like, you know, those are those are swing those are those are swings at it. Right. Wood
0: can shoot though, man. He's been at thirty nine percent, thirty eight percent from three for three straight seasons, four straight seasons, something like that now. He can't he can guard shoot you, it.
1: but he, yeah, but right. like
0: that but like we're talking about offense, not defense. And yeah. he can shoot it. I'm purely talking about offense here. With Vanderbilt, I, I just wonder if we'll see a more creative role for him than than last season. And maybe we won't. Maybe he'll just get played off, you know, and won't be able to get heavy minutes in the postseason. But
1: you like their offseason? That man, they got a lot done. They got, I mean, they signed Davis to that deal, the 180 um, extension. They got Reeves on what was a great deal. D'Angelo Russell, short deal, so tradable asset. Rui Hachimura, they signed him up, not too terribly expensive. Jared Vanderbilt, low deal, kind of like that middle-of-the-pack kind of the pack deal that's uh, certainly a tradable asset as well. Then Gabe Vincent, Cam Reddish, Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, Tariq Prince. Prince and Vincent, super reliable, the other three. Question marks on their reliability, but again they got they got a lot of business done this off season a lot, mm-hmm. and I think their roster's good. I do
0: they could win the championship this year uh, and like it all comes down to ultimately like they have the supporting cast. They have the upside pieces, and Austin Reeves, can he build on what he did to finish last season? Uh, Max Christie as a role player, as a shooting weapon, as a versatile defender. Guys like that, there's upside youth on the team in addition to the veteran presence. It still ultimately comes down to LeBron and AD. LeBron, can he be that January or December version of himself that he was last year when he was averaging 33, 34 points per game? Can he stay healthy? Can Anthony Davis sustain success? Can he stay healthy? Those are the the questions That's still right. with the Lakers. The and questions then, those then other come guys. To, it, it, like for so many teams, it's the questions are about the supporting casts. With the Lakers, it's the inverse. I don't think it's the question at all is about the supporting cast. It's the stars.
1: Totally fair. Um, Reeves will improve for sure, and then those other guys are like those shots at the the Lonnie Walker night for lack of a better term, right? Like the one night that Tareem Prince or Cam Reddish or Christian Wood drops 20-something for you, and it's like, oh, that was the the Christian Wood game or it was the Cam Reddish game or whatever. Um, And hopefully those guys being within a winning environment of which those guys really have not been. I mean, Reddish was on those Hawks teams as a young player um, in and out of the lineups but Jackson Hayes hadn't won anything, Christian Wood hadn't won anything. Tari Prince a winning player and Gabe Vincent's a winning player. So worse, they got some, you know. They they they've got a solid 8 that they can run with no matter what. And then if any of those guys hit, then you got something special. And you wonder how much this helps in terms of them being able to hold down the fort when those guys inevitably miss games. We know That their stars, you know, there's always that portion of the season that they've got to get by without them.
0: Their loads will be managed at certain points during the year or... (laughs) 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 All right. Or they're just going to miss time due to injury. I mean... I mean... You are such a child. Super pause. (laughs) All right. <laughs> Couple other stories that we got to get to. So, you spent too much time around your son William.
1: <laughs> Alvarado <laughs> hurt himself training. I swear this this Pelicans, they cannot buy a break, man. Uh, uh, that's uh, too bad. Just every year. It's like, can they just have a healthy team coming into training camp
0: one year? And it happened on, on the anniversary of Grand Theft Auto Five being released. The ten year anniversary. People uh, people uh, speculated that Rockstar would announce that Grand Theft Auto 6 would come out. And the reason why this is relevant for people who don't realize is Jose Alvarado's nickname is Grand Theft Alvarado. Mm-hmm. So people expected that the GTA 6 game would be announced on the 10th anniversary. Instead, we get a sprained ankle for Jose Alvarado. Thanks Too a lot, bad. Rockstar. Oh, my God. What a joke. 10 years. I uh, hope it's worth the wait. All right. I bet it will be. I bet it will be worth the wait. I'll just say that. I, I'm I wouldn't bet against Rockstar. Boy, it's a long wait, though.
1: I was around Alvarado at All-Star Weekend this year. He was there because he was the king of that game that they played, uh, what was that? Rookie Softs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was just oh, he went crazy and it was awesome. And anyway, so he was around Salt Lake City and being around him, you can't believe how much he gets done on an NBA court when you're near him. Some guys like look small on TV and then you're around them and you're like, whoa, now that guy is not like he's small. He looks small on an NBA court. But if that guy walked into any restaurant, they'd be like, who the hell is the tall guy? Does he play basketball? (laughs) I'll give you an example. You ever around Steph Curry? Steph Curry is not little.
0: He's huge. He
1: is not little at all. He's and wide, he looks, tall. right? Yeah. He's always running around out of basketball court. But, I mean, you round him and the guy's like 6'4", mm-hmm. you know, when he's wearing shoes. And you're like, geez. Um, Alvarado is, I mean, small, small. Small. Like, you can't believe it. I don't care what he's listed at. I was around the guy. And I'm telling you, like, it is so ridiculously impressive to think about how, how much he could get done on an NBA court and how his sheer force of will has gotten him into the position that he is in. And so um, I love watching him play. So here's hoping that he's able to get healthy and back rather soon. Uh, the Damian Lillard stories are starting to heat up, especially as we hurdle towards training camps. You know, the story comes out from Shams, the idea that he'll show up at two training camps, either Portland or Miami. And so while his agent might have gotten fined and they said, hey, stop on all this crap. Like, that's all they have to do is leak it out there. Like, hey, just I know we got fined and everything for saying that he didn't want to play anywhere else and that you're going to be trading for a disgruntled player. So don't do that. Can you say
0: it for us? But Huh? Can you say late. it for us is probably what they're saying. Like we can't say it, but right. Can you report it?
1: Yeah. So you just, you just call the reporter yeah. and he'd say, yeah, Hey, uh, you know, we're not going to show up anywhere <laughs> except for these two places.
0: So like, did you see, did you see the Mark Spears thing today? Like it was just, it was a big nothing report really. But he said he heard there's a, there's a secret Eastern conference team. That's having talks f- with Portland for Damian Lillard. Mm. Like he didn't give a name. It's just, like, it's a secret, Kevin. He can't give a it's name. It's a secret. It's a secret, so he can't say it, but who would you expect it to be if there is actually a secret team that that can't be shared? Who would you think it is? I have some ideas. The Nets would be number one because for Shame sure. previously they were on his list. He's got the Mikkel Bridges relationship. They have assets. They have pieces. They're a team that I could see saying, Hey, you know what? Let's cash those in and get a great player in Dame. Well, and he might actually go there. I, yes, exactly. And that guy,
1: could, much like Philly, is a star hunter,
0: uh, as we know. Marks it. 100% true, yes. Yep. I could see the other New York team, the Knicks, even though it's a bad fit with Brunson. It's a big-name play, player. It's a team kind of in the middle trying to take a leap. You could talk Tibbs into trying to make it work with with Brunson and Dame. I, don't, I would not do it. I'm just saying that like they just make some sense. They have assets. I could see the Bulls doing it. Their team stuck in the middle. They could get a bit desperate there. I could see the magic doing it. I think it's too early. I would not go for Dean yet, but I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. Um they could be trying to take the leap this year. The Sixers, obviously, that goes without saying. The Raptors, there's been like little sprinkles of rumors around them. As a Dame team, over this whole saga, this off season, they, they they need they need to choose a direction.
1: You want me to give you one that would stun you?
0: Who that you have not mentioned?
1: Who's that? How about Milwaukee?
0: They don't have the pieces. They're not get, They're not getting trying to
1: appease the Giannis
0: thing. They don't have enough. They're not going to get oh, They're just not. Uh, they're not eligible. They don't have enough.
1: You can uh, look when you don't have enough. You can always throw in another team.
0: They, they, they don't have enough. They can't, they, they, just, they just don't have enough. They can't trade really any picks until next summer when they could trade three. It, again, you rope in a third team. Yeah, they, they don't have enough.
1: That's exactly how he's going to end up in Miami. That's what I believe. He'll end up maybe. in Miami once they get a third team roped in. Maybe. That's what will end up happening.
0: Or, or maybe out of nowhere. It's just in the same way that Russell Westbrook wasn't supposed to end up in Houston or Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. There could be a surprise team that ends up making the best offer. Well, look, Kawhi never
1: talks, so I know. we never knew anything about it. He just wanted out of San Antonio, right? Well, but he
0: also wanted L.A., just like Russell Westbrook wanted Miami, just like Paul George wanted L.A.
1: But he also wasn't in a... More often than not, these guys have gotten what they want.
0: Yes, they do. I'm just saying, but like you not know? always. It's not 100% of I mean, the time.
1: Russ did get to go to L.A., You know, and I do think that Portland, you know, will try to get the best value and also do right by Damian Lillard. Yeah, but even if this has gotten messy,
0: but do right by Dame is like at the bottom of the list of things that are important in here. The do right by yourself. Do right by Scoot Henderson. Do right by Shaden Sharp. Do right. Most of all for your fans. That's yeah. what matters most here for the Blazers, in my opinion. So if the Miami offer ends up being the best offer, and it's at a point that you feel like you're ready to pull the trigger on the best deal, then you take it. But at this point, I, I still think there are other teams that could theoretically offer more than Miami if they were willing to. And and I do wonder if that's why we're starting to get some of this stuff leaking out from Sham saying he won't report anywhere else. Mark Spears saying there's a mystery team. Could there be? More happening right now, and uh, that's kind of pushing things forward towards a deal with Miami or with somebody else.
1: I think you will be gone by the time we're, I mean, we got two weeks till media days. I bet he's gone by then, don't you? I don't know. I, 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 don't
0: I think just don't so. think
1: you want this to drag into it. You want to huh? start anew, future's bright, Scoot Henderson's a guy. But like, we don't, like, I, I just don't want to go to training camp and having this hanging out there.
0: I wouldn't either. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I I would not eat, want that either, Chris. Um, that's why it's gotten hot
1: and heavy, and we're starting to see the reports and the talks. I think that's fair. The,
0: you know. uh, there was, just to jump ahead to the mailbag real quick, there was a question from Justin rele- mm-hmm. relevant to this conversation. He said, any chance the Pacers are the mystery team for Dame? And I, like, I had not thought about Indiana because they have Hallibur and they have Matherin, but it just did make me think outside the box. Is there a team like Indiana that already has a, a guard, unlike the Knicks, Halliburton's big, he's six five. he has length, uh, maybe a team like that could be like, you know what, screw it, let's just add a talented player who can play with and without the ball next to Halliburton, those guys could be dynamic together. I, I could talk myself into it, I just wouldn't do it, but I could talk myself into it.
1: No. I I want to turn that team over to Halliburton and be under his timeline.
0: I, I think it's too soon... It would be premature for the Pacers to to yeah. go for it now. And plus, like even if you did get Dame, like first just say for Matherin and and Buddy Healed as a salary and what and whatever first round pe- draft picks, you're still kind of small in the backcourt if you're relying on Dame Halliburton, Bruce Brown. Like that's not a lot of size. And then you get Nemhard off the bench. Like th- you're small. Um I just wouldn't do it if I were Indiana, but it's, it's fun to think about some of those teams like the Knicks that shouldn't, but, but could. Today's episode is brought to you by prime video, uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile an expression. Like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little,
1: We are talking about whether or not that thing could get messy in Portland. Where it did get messy, obviously, was in Boston. And there was some uh, a lot of chatter this week about uh, some comments made by Gary Washburn, who has been covering the Celtics for a very long time for the Boston Globe. He was on a podcast and said the following, Malcolm is the one I'm concerned about because we've heard nothing and he's angry with the team. So I don't think communication between the two sides has been fruitful. Washburn clarified that these were Brogdon's feelings earlier this summer and that he doesn't know if the Celtics have mended fences with the veteran guard since, but there were clearly hard feelings at the time. There was a problem. He was not happy. Now, he was not happy in July. Is that same level of unhappiness in September? We don't know. He hasn't talked all summer. But yeah, Malcolm Brogdon was not happy about the deal or potentially being dealt. He was and so, uh, obviously, the Celtics tried to do a little damage control later in the summer. Um, I guess we will see. That will be a question that comes around media days. But that is a very, very difficult situation. Typically, what happens in these is that that player ends up getting moved um, some way, somehow, uh, because there's just – it's a level of trust broken – It's this feeling of, yeah, you tried to trade me, but you just couldn't. And you also have the whole, like, you know, Marcus Smart being gone, hovering over you, who people just absolutely love. By the way, congratulations to Marcus Smart and his beautiful
0: wife, who got married over the weekend. Some cool pictures out of the wedding with Brad Stevens there, Joe Mazur, Jason Tatum. but I mean, that's a lot to
1: hang on you, too, right? Like nobody has any, no, nobody's rocking a Malcolm Brogdon jersey in Boston yet. There's five million Marcus Smart jerseys, <laughs> right? And yeah. it's like you're the reason. It's he's not the reason, but he is the reason in some people's minds that Marcus Smart's gone, um, and you know, you just feel like, hey, man, you tried to you tried to trade me, and so. I can imagine he was mad. I can imagine it's going to be hard. You know, they can say everything's simpatico and everything's fine, but it's got to be always out there. That uh, this, know, is, in his this mind is like that. That this happened. is the type
0: of this is the type of theme topic that you and I have always been on different sides of. Where I, I, you've always said, "Well, if you were going to trade, get trade from the ringer, and then they pulled out, you'd feel yeah. a certain way." And I'm the one who says. You're just gonna put on your big boy pants and deal with it and do the best job that you can. That's again what I'm gonna say here, entering our eighth season. Put on your big boy pants, Malcolm Brogdon. Make the most of this season and go try to win a championship. He is still an important player on that roster, despite the trade that almost happened. If any, like, how could you be mad about being trying to be traded for KP Kristaps Porzingis when that's a team need for them? I, I get it, but like, you're not a superstar level player. You are a Good rotation player, and that's your role on the team. Simple as that. And by the way, you could have a bigger role this team. Yeah, like you could have a bigger role this year without Marcus Smart there as well. So take advantage of the opportunity at this stage of your career, at your age, with two years left in your contract, and go out and try to win and play the at the highest level. Like it's still a great situation, even if you are pissed about it. Of course, that's what you have to do. We uh, we've Mm -hmm. never disagreed on that. I'm telling
1: you, he's going to get traded.
0: Maybe, yeah. He I mean, it, it, it's a very tradable salary—twenty-two point five million this season and next season. That's a uh, that's a deal Boston could use in deals with uh, some of those second-round draft picks that they ended up getting on draft night. Uh, that's going to be their draft capital to go out and make another move. So if they feel like they're good at guard, like they also didn't trade Peyton Pritchard. Pritchard, there was rumors about him over the offseason as well. Pritchard could be the trade piece. Where if a team is like, yeah, we want like kind of like that spark plug guard off the bench. Or it could be Brogdon for a veteran option. One of those two guys I would expect to get moved at some point. And if you're Boston, you can feel good about moving one of them because you still have the other. Yeah, but I mean, Brogdon's super useful
1: player for a team that's trying to win a title, right? Oh, yeah. He's I a he's guy that can play all four rounds if you get there in the in the NBA playoffs. Whereas Pritchard, you know, he obviously, I mean, you saw they put him in the game, and Eric Spolster
0: was like, "Uh, throw it to the guy he's guarding." <laughs> I still cannot <laughs> believe Joe Mazzulla put Fritschen out there. It's crazy. Oh man, I know. It was, it was just—it it felt like punishment. I I
1: can't believe it. What this guy ever do to you, Joe? All right. Um, <laughs> uh, I know we we actually got a Boston uh, mailbag question. Let's get to some of
0: the mailbag yeah. questions this week. From Dan in Massachusetts, he asked the selfish question Who comes off the bench, Chris Porzingis, Al Horford, or Robert Williams? That's actually a really good question because for Boston, like you could, they're their lineup flexibility. That's what we raved about when they got Chris Porzingis. That's what I love about the KP acquisition. You can play five out with Porzingis and Horford. You can still have room protection, you can still have a roller and KP and at room finisher with him. But with Robert Williams, like you have more of a a vertical threat, even more of protection. I wonder what combination they end up using there. Is there any logic to making it Porzingis off the bench so you're staggering him with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? So Porzingis could be the offensive presence off the bench. Is there any logic to that? No, not with the amount of money you paid him. No, but why not? Like that Boston they've had, they have chemistry for years with Horford and Williams playing a lot together. They went away from it at certain points in the post season, but like, I just, I just wonder if they stick with chemistry and the, Do I have to end- make the
1: joke that like there's zero chance that they're all three going to be healthy at the same time. Like anyway, so there's not a choice to make. Like it's very how, possible. Yeah. How often are Robert Williams and Chris S. Porzingis going to be both available?
0: Boston's hoping in April, May, and June. That's what they're hoping.
1: Yeah, I know. But, I mean, it's like Haley's Comet probably If uh, if they're both available. So I think it'll be Porzingis, and I think it'll be Rob, and I think that Al is going into the leadership phase of his career. That's what
0: I think. And I think you will be fine with that. You think it's Porzingis starting, and, yes, and who else? And, and Robert Williams. And, and Robert. So you okay? So yes. you think they go with? All right. So Horford off the bench. Yeah. The vet, The veteran's gonna have to. What well, is Like
1: thirty for Al Horford.
0: I. I know. I know. I agree. The one thing, like you talk about injuries, all of these guys also have their minutes managed too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think with them, like in some regards, it doesn't matter. I wonder, could, I know players like to have routine and consistency, but with this flexibility, there is logic to, I think, having different lineups on different nights. And that could be related to rests or injury. But these guys, I think, need need to all be flexible and interchangeable depending on the matchup with what's most advantageous to you. That's the unique advantage that Boston's going to have this season. There are so few teams in the league that can play with two bigs and still have five-out spacing.
1: Here's what I'll say. Horford and Williams will rotate. and I think they'll both be cool with it. And they'll both play 20 minutes or whatever it is. Porzingis is going to start and play 35 minutes. Like, that's just the way it is. Or whatever. 30 minutes. A night. Like, Porzingis is a starter. They traded Marcus Smart. I don't they, know, man. They pissed off their other guard. He, they, he's got like,
0: plantar fasciitis. I got that's, it. That's what knocked him out of the FIBA World Cup. No, Plants fasciitis. They didn't, the didn't trade for Chris Evans Porzingis
1: for him to be a bench player. I promise you that. No way. No way.
0: Yeah, but like you can be a bench player and still play thirty minutes per game. You can. You can still play more than thirty minutes. How per many game
1: thirty million dollar bench players? You know.
0: All I'm saying is is how about many. Lo- all I'm proposing is the logic behind staggering him none. with Tatum and Brown. How is that? There's no, there's no logic behind that. None. Not
1: he's gonna start. at power I agree. He, I every I'm night. say
0: I agree. He will start. I agree. I'm just saying, staggering him <laughs> with Tatum That's and fine. Brown would allow him to get more scoring touches off the bench against some really weak backup bigs. By the way, KP off the bench shredding bench units from minute five to zero in the first quarter. I mean, dude, like that could be crazy. What matters is finishing. So. If I'm if I'm the Celtics, it's at least something I'm thinking about: is starting Horford and Williams, having Porzingis come off the bench. There's logic to it. Whether they go to it or not, I think would come down to the plan that Missoula has for the starting five. If he wants to begin with five out spacing, but I just think staggering those scores could make some sense. I think those
1: centers will just split the time, and
0: I mean, Al Horford was in the
1: Joakim Noah draft. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the <laughs> Derrick Rose draft. I
0: mean, like, how Orver's been around now? No, wait, no, wait, no, no, he was before that. Huh? He was the he was the Kevin Durant draft. He was? Yeah, he was the Kevin Durant draft, the Greg Oden draft. He was the third pick. Oh, that's right, like, that, yeah, Conley, yes. that's right. Yeah, Mike Conley was fourth. that's
1: right. You're right.
0: Before those, so guys. it was
1: it, uh, it was Noah. It wasn't Rose. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it
1: Noah. Yeah. Him and Noah had just
0: oh, won yeah. so Noah was the national well. title. because
1: right. they were teammates. Yes,
0: yes. That's yeah. right. Jeez Louise. That's a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago, bro. Co- Corey Brewer was in that draft. Corey Brewer hasn't played in the league since like 2019, 2020. He's a coach uh-huh. <laughs> for the Pelicans. <laughs> I, when, when, when was Joakim Noah's last year? I'm not kidding. Corey Brewer jo- plays oh, against Zion. That's that's his like job. That's from my article last year. I wrote about that. I saw them practicing against each other. Unbelievable. Oh, and no- Noah's last season was also 1920. Five games with the Clippers. Man. And look at Al Horford still going. Still going strong, too.
1: I don't know if you saw this, but both you know, I was talking about Marcus Smart getting married. Two weeks ago, the weekend before, Derek Rose got married. And did you see who was the Master of Joe, Ceremonies at Joe his Keem wedding. Noah. It was Noah. How cool yeah. was that? Joakim right? Noah marrying Derrick Rose. Who would have ever? <laughs> Crazy. I hope Tibbs was there. I didn't see all the pictures from it, but I hope he was there.
0: And Lou Dang. And I hope he was Get the whole too. band back oh. together.
1: Yes. Those old Bulls teams. All right. What else we got in the mailbag?
0: Last question here from Rich. Who's the surprise team next season like Utah was last season? I said it in passing earlier, my answer, Chris. The Orlando Magic, led by Franz Wagner, Paulo Bancaro, Markel Fultz, Anthony Black. I mean, the the Magic with Gary Harris back to shooting 40% from three. Wendell Carter protecting the rim. All their size and versatility and length. They can play super big. They have big guards. Jalen Suggs hopefully takes a step forward this year. And and, and
1: P.S., Utah was a great story last year. The surprise was Sacramento. I mean, nobody had Sacramento (laughs) being a home court advantage team and their coach winning coach of the year. And, like, we thought they could be good, but...
0: There's different levels of surprises, though. I mean, the surprise team... Was the Sacramento Kings, but Rich is asking a surprise team like the Jazz, a team I mean, that ends the up. The easy one is the
1: g- one I've said many times Oklahoma City. Is, I mean, I don't know, think that counts, though.
0: I mean, I'm not sure Orlando counts because OKC had 40 wins last year, Orlando had 34 wins. Yeah, I mean, the Jazz had 37 wins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, 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 and
1: in fairness, we thought the Jazz were going to suck. So it needs to be somebody that we think is going to suck. Or is going to be predicted to suck. Houston,
0: uh, Houston is an interesting one.
1: Could they be way better than people think they're going to be? Because they'll be looked at as a lottery team.
0: Big loss for the Grizzlies with Dylan Brooks. It's going to really, really affect <laughs> oh, their defense. Since oh, we know. You know Jared yeah. Jackson, you know, unfortunately, they more... they they
1: they got another <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year, yep. and are the only yep. team be NBA history to have two reigning defensive players of the year on yep, their team.
0: More more, more fouls than rebounds for Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, <laughs> Going to be a tough year for the Grizzlies without Dylan Brooks there. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm sure. You've always been a big Brooks guy.
0: Blew it for America.
1: You've always <laughs> blew it for the Grizzlies two years in a row in the playoffs. A,
0: tra- a traitor to this country, Jaron Jackson. I saw that.
1: <laughs> traitor to the country? Um, he signed up. You need to be talking <laughs> to the rest of these guys. He signed up to fight for our country. The rest of those guys are sitting at home.
0: Sabotage—that's why he signed up. Not going to grab a single rebound.
1: Who else is going to be bad? (laughs) How
0: about my Pistons? Bright future Pistons? Uh, Are they? Are they? Are people expecting them to be good though? I mean, at least no—we're expecting them to
1: suck. (laughs) That's the point of this exercise, right?
0: I know. Monty Williams. Cade Cunningham back. She, I cannot believe they paid Monty Williams like $12 million a year. It's something else. It, yeah, that's that's extreme. It's no extreme. question. It's just, it's just gonna be very interesting to see the way that team develops. 17 wins to like 35, 36. See, I could see that. Like that wouldn't be super surprising to me.
1: And they got Kate and they got Ivy, they got yeah, Asur right. in the, you know, and they got a couple. You know, they got some veteran guys that are there at Bogdanovich and Jared or Joe Harris and Alec Burks.
0: How about the Spurs? Wemby now supported by Vassell, Keldon Johnson. They got a solid point guard in Trey Jones, Jeremy Sohan entering his second season. I really like what Malachi Branham did at the end of the season for them. Zach Collins was good to finish the year as well for the Spurs.
1: Yeah, the answer to this, is, yeah, so it's got to be somebody that we do not think, and obviously Utah wasn't a playoff participant, but somebody that is like, we're not even considering as a playoff team that would have a chance. What about the
0: post-Dame Blazers? Hell no. What? I'm just throwing no. out a team that I don't, don't even think is to suck. I know, but I'm just throwing out a team that we think is going to suck. No, they are going aggr- to suck. I agree they're going to suck. Yeah. They're going to suck hard, but I'm just throwing them out there exactly Good for that grief. reason. You are on fire. This what did I do? <laughs> Lord. <laughs> you're less mature than me now. You are wild. As your son's gotten older, you've gotten less mature.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: you're, you're still de age. You are extreme. <laughs> <laughs> you're extreme. You are extreme. <laughs> uh,
1: all right. Um, before we get out of here and before you could say anything else, I've got to ask you about how your trip ended up in Vegas meeting with the prospective draft picks. Uh, you talked to the best of the best. You talked to Holland. Um, you had you, you had all kinds of interviews while you were out in Vegas. We had kind of touched on it uh, when you had first gotten there last weekend. I know you had put up a couple of different videos. Um, You know, you get this opportunity to be around these guys, both on camera and off camera. Uh, Which did you walk away with the most favorable impression of? Like, if you were an NBA GM, that you felt like you walked away and been like, man, I'd draft that kid.
0: It was Alex Sarr, Chris. Alex Sarr was the guy I went in with ranked lowest of the four players that I interviewed. I interviewed Matas Buzelis, Ron Holland, Etan Almanza from the G League Ignite, and then Alex Saar from the Perth Wildcats. Saar I had ranked 17th on my board. The others I all had in my top five. Saar was the best prospect at the event. He was, he's 7'1", 7'5", wingspan. He had multiple unbelievable defensive possessions where he ran coast-to-coast coast with Ron Holland. Blocked his shot at, on one play on defense. He deflected one pass at, after a rotation. Then he kind of deterred another player from making an accurate pass. And then he switched on to Ron Holland and just like mirrored his every movements, forced the ball out of bounds. He blocked Buzelis twice on a play. And offensively, he was hitting threes, hitting his free throws, something at a higher percentage than he did with the overtime elite the last two years. He was finishing at the basket. He still makes some mistakes, some turnovers, uh, especially attacking from the perimeter. He gets called for travels. He needs to fix that up. But I thought he was smart when I spoke with him. Um, He definitely is self-aware. He knows his weaknesses and talks about how he needs to improve his stamina and improve his weight. He wants to get up to 240. He's at 220 now after being at 198 when arriving in America two years ago to play for the OTE. I was very impressed by him, man. Like all four of them in their own way, are impressive, smart kids. Um, but factoring in Sars' performance on the court and then listening to him talk through how he's become who he is today and what he envisions himself being, uh, he, he seems very realistic about who he is as a player and the steps that he needs to take to get there. And that interview posted last Friday on the Ringer's NBA Draft Show feed. Um, we're posting all four of the interviews. Holland went up last Wednesday, uh SAR went up Friday and then Buzelis will be up this Wednesday and then Almanza uh will be up on Friday or Saturday. So um SAR's my my answer to your question. SARS
1: the one that you mentioned, I believe in passing last week that a GM or a talent evaluator for an NBA team mentioned to you that I just saw the number one pick mm-hmm. in next yep. year's draft. And yep. so there's certainly at least you had you had garnered uh from a couple of different guys that there was real buzz and he had clearly made a huge impression on NBA talent evaluators, yourself included, while there. Um, Real quick, I don't want to spoil the interview, but this whole Perth Wildcats thing and him playing in OTE, uh, we know that OTE was where both the Thompson Twins just came out of, there have been some other guys uh that have come out of there. I know uh Gortman who you know is gonna go play with the Bucks and there's uh some others that have uh that have gotten drafted and are on teams um this trek that he's on playing in an OTE and now going playing for this team how did this all happen do you know or the reasoning behind him doing it the way he did because this is this is an extremely unique situation we have seen high school guys go to overtime or high school guys go to the g league or in the case of you know Lamelo, high school guy or or rj hampton go overseas and play uh but this one is the guy played an overtime elite and now is playing for this Perth team how did this all happen
0: i mean i'm sure there's a financial element to it with sure. that decision but um I did ask him about that and and basically what he says was he just felt like this was the the next step for him in his development as a player. And I think that personally I think that's the right choice. Um the overtime elite I I respect what that league is, but ultimately it is a more so high school aged players with SAR. This is an opportunity to go against a bunch of guys who are in their late 20s and 30s grown men, physically developed, uh, and like for Sar, that's something that teams want to see him prove is how can he battle against some of these tougher, stronger players? How does he handle that physicality? So this is a this is an opportunity for him to do that. And he's just gonna have a, a bigger role on this team. Yeah, like he had a very diverse offensive role. They allowed him to play kind of like Jaron Jackson-esque in a way and how he was using different positions on defense for Perth. So right now is the NBL Blitz. Um, That's going to be like a stretch for him here following those G League games to prove himself. But it's a long season ahead and NBA teams, almost everybody I talk to, like the impression of this draft like Buzelis is good. Holland is good. There's a lot of like good players, guys you really like but don't really love. Saar is one of those guys that I hear from more people who are like, I mean, if you're betting on the highest upside, it's gonna be the seven foot one dude who has a handle and has flashed a jumper and five position versatility. Yeah. Right.
1: Just kind of reading about him. Boy, uh just under seven one, seven, four and a half wingspan. Mm-hmm. Super and long. before he played at overtime elite, he was in Real Madrid's youth team in Spain. I mean, he's like, you know, it's a French kid, but he played for Real Madrid's youth team in Spain who... He's
0: been around, man.
1: We know the kind of incredible training that these kids get overseas fundamental-wise, et cetera, et cetera. And so what a just a weird trajectory, right? Real Madrid in Spain to overtime elite in Atlanta to now the Australian Basketball League. And he's French! You figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess it can happen
0: any kind of way. You know I love the French players. I press. know
1: you do. You found one, huh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> there you go. You found one. This is a it's going to be
0: an interesting year ahead for the draft, dude. Like I'm, like I'm, this. I think from a fan perspective, this draft isn't nearly as interesting as last year's in the sense that there's no Wemby. Yeah. There's just not that crown jewel of the draft. But there's no clear cut number one. And I, I think there's like seven or eight guys that I think you could make the argument as the number one prospect. Like I've seen people have Justin Edwards from Kentucky at number one. I've seen people with Buzelis or Hawn. I've seen people with Almanza at number one. I've I, I, There's a lot of guys that, people have at one. I've talked about how Jacoby Walter from Baylor is somebody that's on my, could he be the number one pick? Long list of players. Stephon Castle from UConn is just a lot of names and not a lot of clarity. Um, So I I, I mean, this draft could end up being better than it seems right now if these guys all get better over the next year uh, or could end up feeling like oh, this is like nobody wins. Like if you get number one, you're still not really getting a star-level prospect. It could be that type of year, too.
1: Dude, if this guy's awesome and there's back-to-back French big men, they get drafted. <laughs> they go to the Olympics with Wemby, maybe this kid, Rudy, and they recruit Embiid. They just yeah. go, <laughs> Biggest team ever. hmm hmm He could have two back-to-back French big men go number one. If yeah. this kid holds on to where you think that he could, uh, he's certainly going to be in the mix for it at least. All right. So that interview <laughs> is up on the uh, Ringer NBA draft feed, right? Uh,
0: said, yes, sir. The Ringer's NBA draft show, the Ron Holland and Alex, our interviews are up. Uh, I think like for the like draft geeks, we, we'll enjoy these conversations more than anything else. Like the players, just you know, we go in depth into their games.
1: Kevin, it is always a pleasure. We are two weeks away from NBA Media Day, and then we're going to be talking about games within three weeks because that preseason is going to be underway. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And, Kev, I will talk to you next week. Have a good week.